this. This is on the supply of the Spirit, and uh, I think it'll be a blessing. Uh, it's been a blessing to me uh, just in preparing it, uh, but I hope that it'll be a blessing to you and that you'll, uh, you'll gain greatly from it. I thought it was very cute. It was a, a little illustration at the beginning talking about a lady uh, who was late in sending out her Christmas cards. Time had gotten away from her, and in a rush, she hurriedly ran out, bought some Christmas cards, signed them, and then mailed 49 Christmas cards. In a hurry, she had failed to take time to read the message on the inside. So on Christmas Day, she noticed that one of the, uh, the one remaining card that she hadn't sent and so she took time to read it, and inside it said, just a little note to say, a special gift is on the way. <laughs> Suddenly she realized in horror that 49 friends were expecting a gift from her. All right, well, that might be a problem, but uh, you know, something special happened when you got saved, and I think we won't understand fully until we get to heaven how great that transaction was when you received Christ as Savior. It didn't catch the Lord at a busy time. He was ready for you to receive Christ. And he had plans for you. And the moment you received Christ as Savior, he not only placed you in Christ and recorded your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, he already had plans for how he was going to use you. And in order for him to use you, he equipped you with at least one gift, and maybe more in some cases, um, but he gave you a gift, every single believer. No one has ever been omitted. Every single new Believer in Christ received a spiritual gift in that moment. Now, did he send you instructions on that gift? Yes. But it's our responsibility to discover that gift and to develop that gift and to deploy that gift. You'll see that in your outline rather often. A lot of people are not maybe even aware that God has given them a spiritual gift. And based upon the lessons we did in the last two weeks regarding the, um, the fruit of the Spirit, today we're going to talk about that gift or gifts. All right, some are very gifted from the Lord in, their, in, in, in enabling them to serve the Lord as they do. And you can probably think of some servants of the Lord. Not necessarily do they serve on a platform. They may be unseen, and their work is may not may not even be known. But they're busy for the Lord, and they've made an impression on you because they were doing something that they couldn't do on their own. A spiritual gift from God is not something that you can train for, you can work out, you can develop on your own strength. It's an impossible thing that only you can do through the strength and direction of the Holy Spirit. 
it is something that God gave you and desires for you uh, to develop. And we're going to see repeatedly in scriptures that we're accountable for that gift. And so we want to we work on that this morning. You know, you're probably familiar with um, some of the sensational, charismatic gifts that seem to be prominent and that we all think about speaking in tongues, uh, you know, uh, drinking poison, working with snakes, any of those things, all right? Um, those are not the gifts that God is talking about. Now, there are gifts that are notable in the New Testament. The Bible would call them sign gifts. You remember that the one comment that Jesus made about the Jews? The Jews do always require a sign. And so he gave them sign gifts. And those were speaking in tongues, the ability to translate. Um, there were uh, those who had the gift of miracles. There was healing. There were other things that were done to convince the Jews that this message is genuine. But they passed away in the first century with the apostles. The apostles, of course, had those sign gifts, and they're not prevalent today. They are not, that's not what we uh, have today because we have the complete revelation. They did not have the complete revelation. And so what we want to talk about today are the permanent gifts, and they are the permanent gifts of edification. Every one of these gifts are to edify others. And none of them would be called sensational. All right, do we understand? And we're all, we all have one, and we're going to try to discover that. The Bible did tell us that the sign gifts would pass away when the apostles died, and that's what the word of God says. But when that which was perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10. And so the revelation is complete and the sign gifts are not needed anymore. But the practical gifts are, all right? They are the permanent gifts and they are the ones that we're going to focus on today. The gifts we're studying today, as I've mentioned, are practical. They're ministry or um, uh, ministry orient, oriented and they're all serving gifts they're all serving gifts and so we're going to look at those gifts this morning your first point there is the spiritual gifts uh, are explained and we talked about each of you receiving that spiritual gift when you received uh, Christ as Savior you will never discover your spiritual gift sitting on the stool of do-nothing. It won't be there. And you probably won't discover your spiritual gift by TV evangelists. It won't be there. You're going to see in all of these verses that we're going to look at this morning is that God intended for you to discover your spiritual gift through the ministry of your local New Testament church. 
We're going to talk about that because that's how church is supposed to work. And I want you to be excited that God has gifted you. I want you to work to discover what that gift is and to use it for God's glory and for your joy. And it will be a great, great blessing to you. Um, as I mentioned, it's not a talent. It's not something that you can do on your own. Now, thank the Lord, Mrs. Stein playing for us, singing for us. And many of you spent many hours, perhaps in childhood, playing an instrument, learning to play. Thank you, Mom and Dad. All right. And then you saw that it was something you could do for the Lord, and so you did it, and God anointed it, and God used it and made it a blessing to the local church, all right? So we don't diminish that. But I'm talking about those things that God has done for us, and not a single believer was overlooked, not a single believer was omitted, whether you understood it or not. Today, I want you to understand it. And today, I want you to put it into action. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 is in your lesson. And you might want to underline uh, this uh, those uh, two words, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards, there's our accountability for our gift, of the manifold grace of God. Gifts are said to be given according to the grace that is given to us. When was the grace given to us? At the new birth. When we uh, received Christ as Savior, this gift came along with the knowledge of the grace of God. And this is part of our heritage in Christ. We have the glorious privilege of being given a specific task on earth. We have the glorious privilege of being given purpose and meaning in life. And we have the glorious privilege of being given a very special gift or gifts to fulfill our task on earth. How many times do we see entire generations lost? They don't know Christ. They never came to Christ. And we read about, oh, they had to find themselves or uh, they travel the world to find where their place is in the world. And uh, you can recall all of those kinds of things. But when you come to know Christ as Savior, you can then truly find your purpose in life, your significance. You are significant and important to God. And he has a place for you to serve, and he's given you the gift that would enable you to serve him well. I thought immediately of the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Immediately he recognized that it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, of course, he was struck blind. Ananias received a special request from God. He said, I want you to go pray with a man um, by the name of Saul of Tarsus and tell him that he's going to be an apostle to the Gentiles and show him what great things he must suffer for my namesake. But God had already chosen him to be a vessel 
to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And that occurred when he received Christ as Savior there on the road to Damascus. And the same thing is true for us. When God saved you, he gave you something so special uh, that we must not waste it. We must not neglect it. And so we want to talk about these gifts. <clears throat> the human body is often used as a picture of Christ and his church. And despite all of its parts, the body is an organic whole. And we want to keep that image in our minds as we develop this this morning uh, because each and every one of us, if God has brought you to Landmark Baptist Church and God has led you to be a member of Landmark Baptist Church, then God has a place for you to use your gift for the good of the body of Christ in Landmark Baptist Church. That's very, very important. I knew a lady that had to, that lost her little toe. And at first you might chuckle, <laughs> little toe, huh? All right, yeah, well, it, it was so life-changing, she had to have therapy and learn to walk. I said, I can't believe that, but Donna could probably testify. It was such a life-changing event, and it, it was a lifelong changing event. You'd be surprised how much work your toes do to keep you from falling on your face. All right, there are strong little things out there keeping you mobile and helping you to move and stand and uh, walk. Uh, very important, and yet we might diminish them. But, and there might be things in our body we might say, well, it's, I can, you know, your appendix, yeah, I guess you could, you could get along without that. Some do. All right. Uh, I remember I took some antibiotics that uh, are known to cause problems with tendons. And uh, usually it causes the rupture of the Achilles tendon. In my case, it ruptured my biceps. And uh, I, I was uh, doing grades. One day, sitting down in my office, I'd been taking these very strong antibiotics, and I was using my calculator doing grades, and all of a sudden, I heard it go bang, but my arm flew back like that. I said, what in the world? And it hurt terribly. And the next morning, I got up, and my arm was all black. I said, no, no. So I went to the doctor, and... and uh, he did ultrasound, you know, all of that stuff there. And he said, well, you've ruptured your bicep. I said, well, good. We want to get that fixed. And he said, well, do you do a lot of this? I said, no, I do a lot of this. And uh, he said, you'll be fine. I said, okay. So a while later, I was putting my granddaughter in her car seat in the back of the car and we were at Best Buy or somewhere over there, Chick-fil-A. And this guy had a big old souped up pickup truck. And he had a train whistle or something on it. I don't know. I didn't see him coming. But all of a sudden, he pulled up there and went, poo. And I jerked real hard. And this arm went, bam. Oh, and I think I know what that was. And it turned black, just like the other one. So I went back to see my faithful doctor. He said, yep. I said, well, are you going to fix this one? He said, no. He said, it's too, it's too much. You'll be fine. I said, 
okay. And uh, I said, yeah, I'm not doing a lot of this anymore, so I guess I'll be okay. And then I fell that one time, and I realized after I'd broken my tooth and my glasses and smashed my face that I couldn't stop myself anymore. And I ruptured two more tendons. Uh, and so I had to have that fixed. Thankfully, I was going to strangle him if he didn't fix it. All right. But I can tell you right now, I can tell those muscles are gone. All right. Forks are so hard to pick up anymore. All right. But I'm telling you what, you lose your biceps and it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And um, uh, it makes me afraid to fall anymore. So I've stopped falling. I've tried to <laughs> do that. But I'm just trying to emphasize that no matter who you are or how insignificant you think you are, not in God's economy, he's designed a place for you to serve and he's given you a gift that would enable, enable you to do that. And so a familiar passage, it's in your Bible, in your lesson, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 24. But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, the local church, put a circle around that, that's the local church, as it hath pleased him. All right? Underline that too because this is God's will for you. He's placed you in this local church, and he's put you in this body in a place of service as it hath pleased him. He has a place where he, would, he expects you to be. And if they were all one member, where were the body? Now, but now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. If you ever watch, uh, what is it, Forged in Fire or whatever that program is, they challenge these blacksmiths to make knives and swords and things. And one of the things they do is that they layer that, that steel that they're making and they get it hot and they pound and pound and pound. I always wondered, why do they do that? But... I learned that uh, they continue to do that until the layers are gone and the metal has become one. And then they temper it by locking those molecules in place by plunging it in that hot, uh, that, uh, that oil to cool it down, to lock those molecules in place. So now it is an effective tool. Might be one that wins them $10,000, I don't know. But They've made a, an effective tool. It's no longer, sometimes they use pieces of chain or whatever. They just cut this stuff up and then they temper it together and make a, a useful implement out of it. Well, God has tempered the body together and we're in that body. God's word teaches in this passage that he wants to place you in a local church family as a member, 
that you might be a part of the body that's participating and helping it move and work for his honor and glory. And you being in the right place is the essential and necessary for the health and success for the rest of the body. And so the rest of the body is depending upon you. All right? And so that's what we're going to study this morning. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. The word stir up there means to be busy, be active in the gift of God, using the gift of God. And God wants us, he calls us a steward of the gift. And we're, ha- we're to be accountable. 1 Peter 4.10 As every man hath received the gift, even so minister or serve the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And uh, the entire church body and community prospers, benefits from us exercising the gift that God has given us. That's the way a local New Testament church is supposed to work. Too many times, some people make the mistake that going to church is a spectator event. You just go in, you find your favorite seat, you sit down, you listen to some music and some preaching, and you get up and go on your way. That's not the way God designed the local New Testament church. He has a place for every single person, and it's an immersive space. Uh, experience. It's, um, it's a, a fully engaged life, one that your whole life should circle around your place in the local assembly. And we have to plunge our hearts into participating and growing and in fellowshipping and serving with God's people. And uh, it's important that we pray for this great church, that we pray that God would revive it and uh, that uh, we would not wait for a pastor, that we would do our part, all right? Do our part uh, to keep and grow this church. And uh, we'll talk about that again in a little bit. But the early Christians continued steadfastly. You remember Acts 2.42? And they continued steadfastly They were constantly diligent, giving themselves continually. That's what that means. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And God blessed these fully engaged Christians. And Christianity was explosive at this time. The growth was explosive. So let's look at the spiritual gifts described. The present-day spiritual gifts, these are the permanent gifts of edification, Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait, and we all know what that is, it means to be eagerly impatient on our ministering or on our serving, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let us briefly examine each of these gifts and we'll take them one by one 
and we'll look at them and, and perhaps you will discover what you really enjoy doing. Maybe you already enjoy something and you do it now. Maybe you'll find that in here this morning. The first one was prophecy. And that, of course, means to proclaim and explain God's word. Before the Bible was complete, prophecy was twofold. Foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is what most people would um, associate with prophecy, uh, speaking of things to come. But um, forthtelling is actually the primary role of prophecy, and that is proclaiming the truth of God. And that's what prophecy speaks of. In the Old Testament, they spoke of past, present, and future events. In the New Testament, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. Prophecy in the New Testament is proclaiming what has taken place in Jesus Christ and what has been revealed by Christ concerning future events. And uh, we are to edify, exhort, and to comfort. And we'll, we'll follow that. Um, our revelation is complete, as we've already said. There is no new revelation. It's all right here. And so God has given us in the New Testament prof those who have the gift of prophecy. We would call them pastors and evangelists. All right. And they should have the gift of prophecy. And they are passionate to declare that. Uh, their major function is clearly stated in Scripture. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those are the things that we mentioned. The second gift, then, is ministry. This is known as the, the gift of helps. It means that uh, this is a very special ability to serve, to minister, to aid, to help, and to assist others. Assist them in, in such a way that they are built up and truly helped. And, in the most and it is the most practical of gifts. And all of us can help. All of us can develop our willingness and ability to help. Listen to these verses. This is to address to everyone. Ma Jesus said in Matthew 10, 42, And whatsoever uh, and whosoever shall give a drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only, in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Galatians 6.10, And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And another familiar verse uh, in James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Those who have the gift of ministry are unusually gifted with this very special gift. And they are very concerned about serving God's people. Oftentimes it's voluntary. Um, the example uh, I would think of would be the, uh, the, uh, uh, the deacons in Acts chapter 6. 
And remember, they exercise this gift in caring for the widows and uh, taking care of the, of the needs of the widows so the apostles could give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what was the result of the, of the uh, deacons' ministry to the needs of the people? Well, it says the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great number of priests were obedient unto the faith. So never underestimate the gift of, of ministry, of serving. Jesus set the example, didn't he? When he washed the disciples' feet. I'm here to minister. I'm here to serve. All right? Then the next one <clears throat> is teaching. Teaching is the ability and desire to teach God's truth and help people understand how his word applies to their lives. It's the ability to explain and to root and ground people in the truth. Uh, the word of God not only needs to be proclaimed by the prophet, but it needs to be explained by the teacher. And people must be guided and rooted in all the truths of the word Day by day, week by week, year by year, this is the teacher's task. Those who cut out Sunday school are doing themselves a great disservice. They should be here for sound teaching. And that's very, very important. And um, one of the other, the next gift we'll talk about, you can be the one perhaps to help them get here in time for Sunday school. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondly prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. I'd like for you to find Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Let's go there. That one's not in your lesson. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. I want you to notice what God has done for the local New Testament church. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, that's right, preachers, right there if you would, and some evangelists, and we know what they are, and some pastors and teachers. There's no punctuation between those two words. And so the pastor and the teacher that's very important. Let me ask you to pray together that God would give us a pastor. We need a man that has been called to pastor and has that call in his heart that's undeniable and he can't live without it. That's the kind of man we need. And so as we pray for the Lord to work in our, in our church and in providing us a pastor, uh, we need to pray to that end. All right? One, one quote I thought of as I was thinking about this was a quote from William Scroggie. I'm sure you've all heard about William Scroggie, but he was famous for this particular quote. God always has a man. Do you believe it? All right, so let's unite our hearts together and pray for that man who can pastor this church and make us effective and useful in the service of the Lord.
Jesus said as he was ending his earthly ministry in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Teaching is important. And it's so clear when you work with young people uh, how important it is for them to learn some of these things and how eagerly they are uh, ready to put the things that they've learned to use. Your children probably came home every night sharing with you what they'd learned in school today. Eventually they stopped doing that. But when they're very little, oh, they want to tell you what they learned. Well, that's the kind of spirit uh, behind teaching. And someone who has the gift of teaching will study diligently. They will work very hard to, to, to learn and be able to share. They'll have a burden to share what they learn, all right? And they want to see people be successful after they teach them, all right? And we have some wonderful teachers. Some have taught for years and years and years, and you may not even know their names, but the young people who have come through their classes know them and still recall them and still thank them. And so uh, it's, it's a very important gift. And you may say, well, as I, I don't think so. Volunteer, all right? Be a helper. Come to the teachers. Well, we don't have them right now, but we used to have the teachers and workers meeting on Wednesday nights. We'll get that going again soon. Uh, but uh, avail yourself to those things. Be a helper in junior church. All of those opportunities are very important. And you know what? The, the ladies that work with those little three-year-olds in there that sit around the table, boy, that takes a special calling. I remember the first time I substituted in K-4, I thought I was going to die. That's a different breed of people, okay? you got to really have your game on when you go in there with those guys. But they were so eager to learn. And then they'd want to tell you, if, you did, if, if I ever slowed down, they'd want to tell me what they knew. I said, eh, let me do the teaching, okay? Uh, but it's an experience, and it's a, it requires a calling, all right? And the, God bless those people who have answered that call to use their gift. The next one is the gift of exhortation. I call this the gift of being an encourager an encourager. You've heard us use that from time to time from the pulpit here. Someone is going through great adversity and now they are encouraging others who may be going through similar adversity. And so this is a very important gift and it's, it's a gift that gives this person the ability and the desire to encourage others in their walk in the Christian life. The gift of exhortation is a very special ability to exhort, to motivate, to advise, to encourage, to comfort, and to even warn people. I saw in some uh, book, they were called the spiritual fireplace poker. All right? Stick it in there and get some flame. All right? And, and so, of course, in a positive vein. All right? Uh, but the dominant factor would be they are motivated to encourage people, to stir people, to make a decision for Christ, to grow in the Lord. Uh, it's a gift that arouses people to get up and get busy 
fulfilling their task. They're the guys or ladies that say, I've got a special visit. I'd like to have you go with me. And you would take them. I remember years ago, Bill Brown, <clears throat> not Bill Brown, I know him, uh, Bill Jackson uh, was really burdened about a neighbor. And he said, I, I'd really like to see him saved and I, I'd like to witness to him, but I, I don't know. And so I said, well, I'll go with you. And so we went into his neighbor's home and he had visited with him many times. He had shared the gospel with him as best he could. And so we sat in there, and I said, now open your Bible, Bill. And so we went through the plan of salvation. I said, Bill, would you read that verse to him, please? Hold it over there so he can see it. And he would read it, and he was doing this and doing this. And we went through the whole plan of salvation, and, and I asked the man, and I said, would you like to know that you're headed to heaven, that your sins are forgiven, you have no dangers of hellfire again, and you want to receive Christ as your Savior. And he began to cry, and he said, yes, I would. And I said, Bill, would you lead this man to the Lord? And he did. And it was a blessing for me, for him. But it was great. He could do it. You can do it. And it was a great blessing. The last gift. Oh, yeah, I better go to the last gift. And that's giving. A lot of people would scratch this gift off. They'd say, oh, well, that's probably for the wealthy. That's for those guys that make a lot of money and, you know, uh, they can afford it. No, don't think that way. Because God doesn't think that way. The gift of giving simply means the giving of one's earthly possessions such as money, clothing, and food. And it just means that you're there to give when you recognize the need. Uh, Romans 12, 8 says that we should give with simplicity. What does that mean? It means without pretense. It means without pretense. You're not doing it for self. You're not drawing attention to yourself. In fact, Jesus said... When thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. All right? What is he talking about? Well, the three kinds of giving, tithes, offerings, which would be like your faith promise, and alms is what you give to those who have a need. All right? So you're giving alms. And Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give with simplicity. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7 says, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, one of the greatest blessings I remember was when our children were really little. We'd go out to the car at the end of the day and open the door, and there'd be a bag of groceries in the car. I never found out who that was. But it was a blessing. We can be a blessing. Ruling. Got to hurry. This is called uh, the ability of leadership, authority, administration, or government. This person leads with diligence, with haste, zeal, desire, concentrated attention. They're not lazy. They don't make room for uh, complacency 
or irresponsibility. The leaders are the ones who blaze the path for the rest to follow. And they do it with zeal, hard work, and iron determination. Romans 12, 11 says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And so these Christians love to bring things to order and make things happen in God's work. The last gift we'll look at today is the gift of mercy. These are the people that have the God-given ability, and I believe, I believe this Im uh, intensely. They have the ability to feel the pain of others and to help them in the time of trial. As I told you before, they're naturally good at being sympathetic. They can sympathize and empathize. They know what, what to say and when not to say something. But they're there. These Christians, they love to visit hospitals. And you know where we would have a great need? Visiting our shut-ins. Making them know that they have a place in this church. And that they're not forgotten. We have people who will take the Sunday bulletin to them and the prayer list and uh, bring them up to date on things. Some, some will buy copies of the sermons <clears throat> and drop them off. You never know about it, all right? But they have the gift of mercy, and they're there. And uh, they're there to help those who can't be here and remind them that they're not forgotten. They're usually cheerful folks, and they have a joyful heart. And he can lift up a person who's in need of mercy. And so uh, it reminds me of Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. And so I want to close by emphasizing that God has given every Christian at least one gift. And he desires to use you in the local church. And I, uh, you can see the remainder of your lesson. The spiritual gifts are practiced. Discover your gift. Develop your gift and deploy your gift, but I can tell you of a certainty that when you find your gift, you can't live without it. It will be something that will drive you. It will be something that you will have so much joy from. It will be something that will make your life so fulfilling. And you'll feel with certainty, this is what God wants me to do. This is how I can serve the Lord with gladness. This is how I can be a part of the local New Testament church. In our prayer list, we always say, pray for a spirit of unity. That spirit of unity comes from every Christian knowing their gift, developing their gift, and deploying their gift. And that's absolutely essential as we go forward. The last verse in your lesson is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee. And that's my challenge to you today.